You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. No one wants to get sued, but if you plan to build a real estate empire, the question may not be so much as if, but when, at least according to our guest today. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Scott Royal Smith is a real estate investor and also an asset protection attorney based in Austin. He began his career in the high-stakes corporate litigation. It was then that he learned the key secret he now uses to defeat lawsuits, simply that they're business. Through his defense work, he targets defeating lawsuits before they're even filed by making sure the business part of a lawsuit no longer makes financial sense for a plaintiff. Scott founded Royal Legal Solutions to offer tax, business, and legal strategies to real estate investors. He has spent the last eight years of his career diving through case law, reading the ever-changing tax code, and analyzing real estate investments so that you don't have to. He works with clients all over the United States and Canada who want to grow their business and protect their hard-earned assets. And he's got some great tips for us, especially if you live in California. So, Scott, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Kathy, fantastic to be here with you today. I am so excited to share with you and your listeners the greatest ways that California residents can both protect and hide all of their assets while avoiding those dreaded franchise taxes that are normally getting assessed on the LLCs they have. Yeah, at 800 bucks a year, when you've got a lot of LLCs, boy, it sure adds up at the end of the year and cuts into cash flow. I've had so many tax professionals on and asset protection attorneys on, and I have yet to have someone tell me about this strategy. So please do tell. Yeah, it's really incredible. So for a lot of California residents, what they don't know is that if they own an LLC anywhere in the country that operates anywhere, the Franchise Tax Board actually assesses an $800 per year franchise tax onto that entity. A lot of people aren't paying that, which means that they're actually accumulating all of these back taxes and a $2,000 a year penalty. Yikes. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's really bad. And the great news is, is that it doesn't have to be that way. What you can use is a structure called a Delaware Statutory Trust that completely avoids franchise taxes because it's a trust structure. Franchise taxes only apply to corporations. And uh, the great part is, is that the Delaware Statutory Trust allows some serious compartmentalization inside of it. So that way you can you know, protect and hide every single one of your assets individually while the whole time avoiding the franchise taxes. Now, I thought California was going to go after anyone who tried to dodge this tax. Yeah, so California, what they're looking at right now is trying to go after people that have LLCs. Say if you had a Georgia LLC that owns Georgia property and you're a California resident, they're going after those people right now. The Delaware Statutory Trust is under the radar. It's under the radar because there's just not a ton of people using it, right? Like, Kathy, I think you said before, like, hey, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. It's actually the first time for a lot of people because it's a very niche type of company structure. Most of the time, Delaware Statutory Trusts or DSTs are being used for 1031 exchanges for big commercial uh, types investment institutions. Like Dwight K is a guy out of California that uses them right now for all of his investments. What we're using them for is a way for the average real estate investor that has you know, two plus properties to be able to protect their assets, hide their ownership, and avoid those taxes. And so it's a new way of, of being able to use something that's you know been around for a long time and well-tested underneath the California rules. Well, right. I mean, we've been looking into you know the DST, the Delaware Statutory Trust, for a fund so that 
people could 1031 exchange into a fund. And it's a bit complicated, so we haven't done it yet. Now we're looking more into the opportunity zones. But I hadn't really uh, understood it this way that, so if somebody had, let's say, 20 properties, they could potentially put all of them in their DST, their Delaware Statutory Trust? That's right. Yeah, it works very much like a parent-child structure. So you have one parent trust that is able to be filed in the state of Delaware. Unlike other trusts, this trust actually provides asset protection, as it's written in the legislation there in Delaware. And it can create as many child series as it wants. So whether you have two properties or you have 10,000, you can compartmentalize every single one of them for free while you're able to operate through one bank account, through one tax return and one set of accounting books, as long as you keep the income and expenses separate for each property. The great thing about what we do is we in-house all of the legal backend. So all those pieces that you were just reflecting about saying, like, hey, this is complicated. There's a lot of moving parts here. What do we need to do? We take care of all of that for our clients. That way, our clients only have to focus on where are they going to find great investments and keeping track of the income and expenses for each property, and that's it. So it's a series LLC. It's a series structure, but it's not a series LLC, right? If it's a series LLC, you get nailed with the $800 per year tax for each individual child series. Right. That's what I had heard. But the DST avoids that because it's a trust. Oh, tricky, tricky. And the trusts aren't subject to franchise taxes. It's one of those you know, legal loopholes that just flies underneath the radar of the franchise tax board. We don't see it changing any time in the near future, just because the, you know, FTB is so focused on just being able to get money from all the California residents that have LLCs out of state that you know, haven't been paying the taxes for those. They're, so they're just not looking at the Delaware ones. Well, yeah, and it's a trust structure. So it's just well underneath anything that they're looking at or, or potentially would look at, right? Well, hopefully they're not listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ho- hopefully not. But uh, it actually takes a whole change in legislation for anybody to kind of make these types of sweeping changes because you'd be talking about fundamentally broadening the scope of what does the um, what do the rules apply to. The key piece here is that we actually structure the trust so that it's actually taxed like a trust. So you could have a DST that would be taxed like a corporation, but we structure it so that it's taxed like a trust and treated like a trust. So it's not only is it you know a loophole, so to speak, is that we're actually complying with the laws as they're actually written today, right? So it's not like we're getting away with anything. We're just using the laws to the maximum advantage that they set out. I love it. Okay. And what does that cost? Is it more expensive than, a, than a, say, a regular LLC? Yeah, the ongoing costs are going to be significantly lower because you're able to avoid the franchise taxes. Mm-hmm. You get this infinite scalability of being able to compartmentalize every asset. So that way, if there's a lawsuit against property A, they can't come after property B, C, D, et cetera. We're able to own it, everything anonymously, with everything pointing back to me and, and the law firm. So that way it's protected by the attorney-client privilege. But there is a, a more significant upfront cost to be able to set these up than you would have with a typical LLC. You know, you can form an LLC on LegalZoom for 300 bucks, right? So you should be prepared to pay you know, more than that <laughs> to, when looking at DSTs. You know, it's not going to cost $10,000 either, but it depends upon the complexity as you're falling into that range. Well, shoot, it was going to cost us like $50,000 to set up at the DST fund. That's probably a different animal. That's a different animal because you're having to do a lot of securities regulations that are going along with that, right? So we're, we're just using these you know, purely for people that are looking to 
protect their personal property and doing it in a way that's a, you know affordable for an investor in that realm of uh, entity structuring. Very interesting. And is there any impact on taxes? Yeah, the tax pieces, it'll be a completely pass-through entity. So all the taxes go directly to your Schedule E of your personal tax return. So nothing changes for anybody in that regard. The bookkeeping is very simple. You just keep the income and expenses as they're associated with each property. The insurance actually is very simple as well. You just take the properties, how they're currently held, typically in the client's personal name, and we transfer it into a trust and we just add the trust as an additional insured onto the existing property. So the net effect of a lot of this is that nothing actually changes from the client's end of what they experience in owning the real estate. The whole system runs in the background and a lot of it's simplified even to the point of being able to run through one bank account. So it really couldn't be any simpler or more efficient or cost advantageous to set up asset protection as it is right now. Yeah, it sounds that way. Now, a lot of people want to finance their properties, uh, sometimes through conventional loans that require that you have the property in your name, and then you transfer it to an LLC. But that's a little risky, right? Because some of the loans say there's a due on sale clause. Is it any better in this kind of format in a trust? Yeah, and the trust format is much better. Whereas a transfer from the asset from somebody's personal name into an LLC will violate the due on sale clause. What you find with the trust is that trusts are exempt from due on sale clause uh, considerations from banks. Banks will see that it's transfers to a trust, but they uh, assume that all bank transfers to a trust are for estate planning purposes and they don't review them. So in over five years of us transferring assets into trusts for asset protection purposes, we've never even received so much as a letter from a bank regarding any due on sale clause type issue. Wow. I'd heard it was easier uh, with land trusts as well for that reason, but they don't offer asset protection. That's right. That's why you always have to combine land trust with your other type of entity structure. So you would always, let's, if you had you know any other type of contacts with an LLC, you would combine a land trust with the LLC to get the anonymity and protection. Like in this scenario, we're using a DST for the asset protection. We would probably also use a land trust just to hold title to the property and mask completely what the ownership of the property really is, because the only thing appearing on the public records, like if the property is owned at 123 Main Street, would be the 123 Main Street Trust and all the addresses and contact information points back to a law firm, right? So if you're looking at asset protection, you always need a land trust to accomplish the anonymity, and then you're also looking for an additional structure to provide you the protection. California residents need to use the Delaware Statutory Trust, and for everybody else in the country, you can use a series LLC. Right. <laughs> That's why we see a lot of these guys come into California uh, teaching land trusts, and it's just it's just different here. And why is that again? Why does California need its its own unique deal? It's because of the franchise taxes, right? Yeah. So California residents are put into a bad position because what they're told is that you have to pay eight hundred dollars per LLC to protect your properties, right? So the best protection you can get is compartmentalizing one asset per LLC, but at $800 per year, that becomes really expensive. They don't avoid that by using a series LLC structure because California's, and we have an opinion letter on this in the royallegalsolutions.com website that talks about how their rulings say that each individual child series of a series LLC is also subject to the $800 year franchise tax. And every LLC you own, no matter where it's formed and no matter where it operates, you owe $800 a year per franchise taxes. So you have to have a DST structure to be able to get the best protections and the cost savings. Wow. Uh, Unbelievable. All right. What else do we need to do? Any new laws we need to be aware of or new lawsuits that uh, create some concerns? 
Yeah, there's nothing in terms of the way the new laws or lawsuits, I would say, are typically a concern. What I would really say is that you don't ever know where lawsuits are going to spring up, which Mm -hmm. is why having these types of protections in place make a lot of sense, right? I think a lot of people assume that they have uh, insurance in place and so that they're protected. You know, but what they don't know is, is what I've seen from being on the attorney side of this, which is, you know, I've known people that have lost over $3 million in real estate from a single lawsuit and they had insurance in place. And it's because insurance is only designed to protect you against accidents. It doesn't protect you against anything else. Any of the other types of liability that you can have, you know, really bad accidents or gross negligence, that's never covered by your insurance policy. And if you get into a really bad car accident, that can easily exceed the limits of your insurance policy and then they come after you personally. Um, if you have a business dealing that goes sideways, you can have allegations of fraud or breach of contract, and those are never protected by insurance. The only thing that you can do is have a company structure in place that helps you when insurance doesn't. So I'm a big advocate of saying, let's stay well insured, but then let's have an um, asset protection company in place that says, even when the insurance company you know, denies coverage or the coverage isn't enough, our worst case scenario is that we lose little to nothing. And so that way, it doesn't matter what happens in the world and all the liability of the random things that can happen and that you can't foresee. It doesn't matter because you're going to be protected no matter what. And that's how I personally choose to live my life with that kind of peace of mind. And that's what I advocate for all of my clients. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't personally see a lot of lawsuits. We've got 40,000 members and, you know, I don't know if I've heard of one lawsuit. Now, there may well have been, but at least from tenants to landlords. But I'm sure they're out there and you need to be protected and insurance won't always cover it. But insurance, you, you got you to gotta have insurance too. That's the, the first leg. Yeah. And what you find also too is a lot of people don't advertise about when they're getting sued because it's kind of, in, in a weird sense, it's kind of embarrassing, right? It's like a, it's a social faux pas that like I'm getting sued. There's an implication that you did something wrong. Um, if you really want to know about lawsuits though, the best place to poll isn't... Um, about who's in your friend group or your peer group. <laughs> it's actually just looking at the court data. And so what we know, if you if you look at the court data from the survey that we conducted from the national court data and comparing that to real estate investors, that over a 20-year period, there's a 95% chance that a real estate investor is going to face a major lawsuit. So we don't know when it's going to happen, but we know during a lifetime, it's almost guaranteed it's going to happen. One of the tricky things about this from a perception point of view is that 20 years is a long time. A lot of our memory and what we, we make judgments about of like, what do we feel like I'm at risk or not at risk is usually taken by a much shorter period of time and only by the group of people that we typically associate with, right? Mm-hmm. The good information indicates that saying that you know, asset protection is a no-brainer. I think a lot of people understand that. They feel it intuitively. But so far, you know, up till now, there hasn't been somebody, I think, that's come through and said, hey, here's the definitive solutions that everybody should be using and here's why and I can educate you on that. So hopefully uh, I'm doing a good job of bringing that to the table. I guess we'll see, though. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and good luck with your TV interview that's coming up. Yeah, we have our TV appearance that's coming up here shortly. So thank you so much, Kathy. It was great to be on your show. Thanks for the insights. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. You can listen to this and any past episodes at realwealthshow.com and you'll find out how to get in touch with Scott and Royal Legal Solutions plus his free download again on the blog for this podcast at realwealthshow.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and stay protected. (laughs) Bye-bye.